0: Hey everyone, welcome to Trips Tennis Talk, the amateur podcast about professional tennis. Today's edition of the podcast focuses on the action from Thursday, July 13th, 2023 at Wimbledon, headlined by the Women's Singles Semifinals. There's also plenty of other disciplines to get to, including the men's doubles semis and the mixed doubles final, but there is no doubt that Ons is the story of the day. The Minister of Happiness has taken down the number one symbol of the war in Ukraine, so let's jump right into talking about that. So yes, the number six seed, Anz Jabor, took out the number two seed, Arena Sabalenka, by the score of 6-7, 6-4, 6-3 in the second semifinal that was on center court today. That was definitely the most intriguing match of the day, for sure. It was an entertaining match to watch. There were no breaks in the first set. Pretty unusual in a big match like that. And Sabalenka won the first set in a tiebreak. Jabor, for the second match in a row, dropped that first set in a tiebreak. And Sabalenka got up a break as well in the second set, four games to two. At that point... It definitely felt like Sabalenka was on her way. And I texted everyone that I send tennis texts to at that time something to the effect of Sabalenka is well on her way. The only thing left is mental baggage, if there was any, from Roland Garros, the semifinal there, where Sabalenka squandered a big lead to Mukova, and ended up losing. And from that point, Sabalenka definitely got a little tight. Lost four games in a row from that point, actually, to take that second set. Because, uh, or rather, Jabor taking that second set. Six games to four. That was definitely a nice moment. I was definitely rooting for Jabor pretty hard in this one because of the political implications that I've talked a lot about on the show over the last couple weeks and because Jabor is very likable in that third set Jabor got off to a quick lead and I was pessimistic I was pessimistic from the the first ball to the last ball of this match about Jabor's chances Jabor was never really threatened on the scoreboard in that third set. She got the lead early and she kept it the whole way through. But as the viewer, when you didn't know what was going to happen in that moment, in the 5-2 game, in the 5-3 game, towards the end of the match, it was really nerve-wracking to see Jabor need several match points to close it out making some errors, being in some tight games, because you thought, oh my gosh, Sabalenka's got the the ability to come back and pull it off, and Jabor's got the ability maybe to not pull it off, and maybe Karma's not going to go the way that we need it to go here. But Jabor did close it out in the end. She was very happy about it, and... Of course, Sabalenka was not happy. In the end, that scar tissue from Roland Garros absolutely did affect her. It was a great match to watch. It was tense. It was dramatic. It was a close competitive match. 6-3 in the third set with a tiebreak earlier on. Definitely not too shabby in the closeness department. Jabor, I was worried about Jabor expending unnecessary energy on doing physical antics for the crowd. There was this one point, which you might have seen a photo of, of Jabor losing the point and then sprawling over back on the grass, lying down on the grass um prostrate giving the impression like oh I tried everything in this great point and I played so amazing and I lost the point anyway what more do you want me to do to try to win this match and when that happened if you look if you watch the point Jabor hits the shot and Jabor hit her shot into the net her own shot into the net to lose the point point. And if you look at the replay, Jabor plays the shot. She stays in match stance to see if it's going to go in or not to prepare for the next shot. Then she, you can tell by the way she moves her eyes, she knows she lost the point. And then after that, she made the calculated decision to do the whole routine of Lying down on the grass, it was not a natural reaction. She didn't naturally end up on the ground. like maybe she dove for a shot and couldn't make it, and then sort of rolled into a formation that allowed her to be on the ground like that. She did it on purpose, and I was uh, I was a little put off by that since I was worried she was thinking too much about that and not enough about winning the match. But in the end, Jabor talked about how the crowd pushed her across the finish line. And even late in the match, one of the match points in the last couple of games, Jabor lost it, and she did the soccer routine that some of the players do where she kicked the tennis ball like a soccer ball in sort of faux frustration combined with playfulness that she didn't make it. And again, I was worried that that was the wrong attitude to have. I was wrong, but uh, I did definitely pick up on the fact that she was doing those sort of extracurricular things intentionally, and now that I'm sitting here talking about it, I, w- I wonder, and I would connect it to this, afterwards, Jabor talked about how the crowd pulled her over the finish line, and I wonder if she did not those sort of antics as a way to intentionally connect with the crowd, to keep the crowd supporting her, or I wonder if she did it unintentionally, but maybe it had the same effect. The crowd supported her, so I wonder if she intentionally did those antics for the crowd. So yes, emotionally, big win. A popular win as well. The crowd was absolutely behind Anz Jabor, and for me at home, it was a very entertaining way to spend a Thursday morning. Let's dive a little bit more into the match specifics of this one. So it was two hours and 19 minutes. It started at 3.19 p.m. and then finished at about 5.40 p.m. local time. The first set, there were no breaks, and there were only a couple of break points. In fact, in the first set, there were only four break point opportunities, three for Jabor, one for Sabalenka, but none of the players could get over the line. Sabalenka's serve... Definitely was on in that first set, and it propelled her to that tiebreak. Victory, 7 points to 5, and statistically, the best way to look at the stats for this match is to look at them for each player in a certain category, and how it changed from set to set, Um, but uh, we will get to that in a moment. Um, So... Like I said before, Sabalenka was serving at 7-6-4-3. And um, that game got into a couple of deuces. Um, And in the middle of that game, she hit a double fault to go down break point. Then she lost the next point to get the match back on serve at 4-all. And in this game as well, I'm pretty sure that Sabalenka had a game point. And she would have been uh, up 5-3 had she converted that game point. The Wimbledon Twitter, I think, posted a picture with the sort of meme-y type of post about um, Anz Jabor won this tennis match and it posts a score that was heavily in Sabalenka's favor. That started to come to prominence a year and a half ago when People screenshotted when Medvedev was up two sets and 4-3 on Rafa. And, and, you know, people would screenshot that and type, Rafa Nadal won this tennis match. So that's kind of becoming a trope. And it's become a mainstream enough trope that social media employees are posting that on official Grand Slam Twitter accounts. Um... Jabor saved breakpoint herself at 4-all to go up 5-4 with serve, and then Sabalenka lost her serve a second time in a row to lose that second set. And I should mention Sabalenka was also playing for the world number one ranking. She would have dethroned Sviantek and become the official best player in the world had she won today, and... That also had to play a factor in the mental uh, condition of Sabalenka. And it could have contributed maybe to a lower first serve percentage. Maybe to uh, hitting some more unforced errors. And Jabor was able to take advantage to win the second set. In the third set, Sabalenka's level did continue to dip. But... Jabor's level, especially in the 3rd set, looked pretty good. She looked like a legitimate threat, which she hasn't throughout the whole tournament, just to be honest. She's she's definitely lost some sets and she had the big win against Kvitova, but we all know that Kvitova can be very erratic. By the end of this match, Jabor definitely looked like a player that's ready to be Wimbledon champion. Which, given how her last six months has gone not well, it was definitely a surprise. Um, A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. And, uh, scoreboard-wise, nothing too remarkable on the third set. It was 2-all. Then, uh, Sabalenka dropped her serve at 2-3. And that was... The decisive break. So now let's look at um, the stats for the two players across the three sets. So first for Sabalenka. In the first set, she won seven games. In the second set, she won four games. In the third set, she won three games. So she was definitely um, getting worse the longer the match went. And if you look at the stats, that is um, backed up therein. All right, first serve percentage. Sabalenka in the first set, 65%. Second set, 55%. And uh, third set was pretty good, but she did not win it. Um, actually, the stat I wanted to do wasn't that one. It was the second serve points one. I was looking at this a couple minutes ago before I started. Okay, second serve points one. Sabalenka in the first set, 58%, second set, 50%, third set, 30%, not very good. And as you all know, the second serve points one stat kind of lets you know how a player is doing off the ground because those points are a lot more sort of rally balls and they're less affected by the power of the serve because typically the serve is slower because it's the second serve. Jabor's second serve points one, first set forty four percent, second set seventy eight percent, third set eighty two percent. So it was like uh it was like ships passing in the night or trains passing right next to each other on train tracks, you know, six feet apart but going in the opposite directions. Um that definitely tells you a story statistically. And then also, interesting to note, the plus-minus. This is the winners to unforced errors when you add them together. You know, winners count as an addition. Unforced errors count as a subtraction. So overall for the match, Jabor's plus-minus off the ground was plus-14. And Sabalenka's plus-minus for the match was minus-6. That's a... what is that? That's 14 and 6. That's a... Uh, 20 point margin. That's a big margin when there were only. Uh, well, actually, there were a lot of points in the match, but over 200. But that's definitely a, a big swing there for Jabour in Jabour's favor. Real quick, looking at that stat by set plus minus off the ground. Um, Sabalenka, first set minus four, second set actually even. Third set, minus two. So she was in the minus. She was never in the plus in any of the three sets. Jabor, first set, plus eight, second set, plus two. Third set, plus four. So um, from the first point to the last point, even when she lost the first set, Jabor was the better player off the ground. In terms of v- v- tactical stuff, maybe you could say that Sabalenka's serving performance was the only thing that kept the match close in the first place, and maybe Jabor actually was just a better tennis player on the day. Even though she was down a set and a break, over the course of three sets, Jabor was pretty clearly the better player. So, I don't think it was necessarily a case of having a mid-match upset or a mid-match rally. I think, statistically, Jabor uh, sort of corrected to the mean, or maybe Sabalenka had, uh, you know, maybe she got an advantage that was statistically unlikely. Then the longer the match went, the closer the match sort of reverted back to its quote unquote norm. So there's a, there's a ringer podcast network ringer NFL show sort of take for you about, uh, you know, viewing a match through a statistical lens only and about how, you know, a weird thing happened but then a weird thing stopped happening, except you use big words to explain that. Um, I think that's all I have to say about that one in terms of what happened on the court. In terms of the larger implications, let's move into that now. For Sabalenka, coming in, I believe the number was 17-1, and one, her Grand Slam record this year. Now it's 17-2. and two. And things change quickly in tennis. That's maybe one of the taglines of Tripp's tennis talk. Things change quickly in tennis. You can look at it a couple ways. You can look at it as Sabalenka's reached the semifinals of all three Grand Slams this year, winning one of them. But that was the first one. That was six months ago. slightly more recently, in the last two majors, she has lost in the semifinals, which was the uh, stumbling block for the quote-unquote old Sabalenka, and she's done it in a pretty jarring fashion, losing the 5-1, 5-2 lead at Roland Garros, and losing a set and 4-2 lead here at Wimbledon. Definitely Um, That means there's uh, some scar tissue accumulating there for Sabalenka. Obviously, I mean mental scar tissue. And she's only 25, so if that kind of thing keeps happening, that sort of becomes baked in into your career. So Sabalenka's played 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 Grand Slam semifinals. She's 1-5, which is not very good. Um, And that definitely uh, becomes a mental weight. So like I was saying with Pagula earlier about having a sort of ceiling of reaching Grand Slam quarters, it could go either way. Maybe Sabalenka goes to the U.S. Open, smashes through that barrier again, wins a second major of the year, or at least makes the final. Or it could go the other way. She could make the semis and lose again, or she could lose even earlier. But, uh, so, Arena Sabalenka definitely has some questions going into uh, Canada and Cincinnati. It's going to be interesting to see how she does there. Um, uh, The last word on Sabalenka, I'll give you a little positive. She's made the semifinals of four consecutive majors, so at least uh, she's uh, consistent throughout most of the tournament. That is for sure. Let's see if we have press conferences yet from either of those players. Let me check the Wimbledon YouTube page here. And we do not have a press conference from either player uploaded yet so we will come back to that a little bit later. That was the second semifinal. Oh yes, just quickly, one more stat on Jabor. Jabor has now reached three of the last five Grand Slam finals, which is pretty incredible on its own, considering that Jabor is 28 years old, and she didn't really come to prominence till the last couple of years, so she's completely reframed her entire career. And in the last five majors, she's made more finals than anybody else. More than Sviantek, who's got two. More than Sabalenka. And um, uh, more than Elena Rabakina, who's got two. Also in there, you've got Mukova and... Um, who am I forgetting? Um, uh, and and Sviantek and one person who we're going to talk about in a moment, the winner of Svitolina and Vondrosheva. Um, They would be in there with one in the last five majors. So yes, as I was saying, the Jabor-Sabalenka match was the second match on center court. Earlier on center court, to start the day, it was an unfortunate performance from Alina Svitolina, She did not quite have it today. She was not at her best. But boy, Marketa Vondrosheva absolutely was at her best. And she used her awesome slice game and big serving power. Interesting combination. Sort of power combined with touch. Which the touch is a big factor at Wimbledon. That's why Zabor does so well here. Anyway, Marketa Vondrosheva had a great day and she secured a pretty routine in the end 6-3, 6-3 victory over Svitolina to advance to her second Grand Slam final in terms of the match not much to say about the TikTok of the match but let's just go through it just for a minute here hang on It was 2-all, and in the first four games, Svitolina was actually ahead on points, 11 points to 10. So, you know, I don't have the exact percentage. Eh, let's get the exact percentage, 11 out of 21. So Svitolina was winning the first four games, 52 to 48 percent on points. And from that point on, uh, Vondrosheva won the rest of the match on points, 60 to 41 which is almost exactly 100, so we'll just round it, you know, to 60% to 40%. And, you know, for the entire match, start to finish, Von Drosheva won 57% to 43%. And in tennis, when you're winning by that much and the points total, that is uh, what you call an unmitigated kicking, no doubt. Um, the only point of drama... Drosheva was up 6-3-4-love, serving at 40-love to go up 6-3-5-love. And she had a definite definite wobble there. Lost a couple of games. It was actually on serve, briefly, at 4-3. Svitolina was serving at 3-4. But at that point, Svidalina put up a meek game and quickly surrendered that that uh, parody that she had just fought so hard to restore. And... Vondrosheva served it out uh, at 30 in the next game. This match started at 137 and finished at 253. Vondrosheva had six breaks of serve. Svitolina had three. But yeah, in, uh, in 18 games, a third of them were Svitolina losing her serve. That is definitely a tough showing. Um, statistically for this, let's just, uh, take a look at exactly what Svidalina was up to here. Um, so, for Svidalina, f- um, second serve points won for the match, 38%. Um, and she actually had the better number there. Okay, let's find a better stat. Um... Let's see. First serve points one, big difference here. Vondrosheva seventy-four percent, Svidalina forty-eight percent. So again, that suggests Vondrosheva's serve really helped her, and Svidalina's serve was not very good today. Um, <clears throat> um total winners and errors, Vondrosheva had forty seven and Svidelina had thirty three. So, as you know, that is quote-unquote littering up the stats sheet for Von Drosheva. She was controlling her own destiny. She was dictating the match. Whether she was winning the point or losing the point, Von Drosheva was dictating the point. Um, Total points won, 70-52. Plus-minus for the match, Svidalina was um, minus 15. That is not very good, especially at Wimbledon. And Vondrosheva was minus three. So in that department, Vondrosheva was 12 points better. And in a short match, that is a big difference. It was only an hour and 15 minutes. So um, statistically, no question that Vondroshova was far superior today. And in terms of match drama... There was, there was a few games at the end where maybe the outcome was in doubt, but overall, watching it from start to finish, looking at a scoreboard, it looked the score looks as routine as how the match went. Um, so let's talk about the larger context here. There could have been a Ukraine versus Belarus final, and instead neither of them made it. So the final on Saturday will not involve politics at all. So the tournament definitely would have enjoyed giving the trophy to Svitolina because she's Ukrainian. But I think um, all things considered, no politics. And the final on Saturday can just be about tennis. I think the tournament referee, Jerry Armstrong, and more importantly, all the uh, exec- the Wimbledon executive people, I think they're just fine with that. For Svitolina, yes, it was a disappointment today. On the other hand, she was ranked lower by about 30 spots, and Vondrosheva's good and playing well. So by ranking, it was not an upset. For Vondrosheva, you could think this is a good first-round draw. You got to play a wild card, except instead of... uh, first round draw you're just it just happens to be in the semifinals. that's kind of the Brad Gilbert uh, philosophy. Oh that's a good first round draw that sort of takes the pressure off or reframes the uh, expectations or reframes that pressure or recontextualizes it. Fidelina um, made the quarters of Roland Garros and the semifinals here. So the takeaway for her is she is now a force on the tour again after not being so for a while. If she could make the quarters or semis or better every week, in short order, she would be one of the best players in the world. So there's definitely much for her to build on. If I was going to go negative, I would say that kind of like Sabalenka, Svitolina's hit... Uh, Stumbling block at the semifinal stage of Grand Slams, both in her past career and her current career, because this was not her first semifinal. She made two semifinals in 2019, lost both of them, and then lost here. So um, she is 0 for 3 in semifinals. And if you add that to uh, Sabalenka, you can say that. Sabalenka and Svitolina combined are 1 for 9, 1 and 8, in Grand Slam semifinals. So that is their uh, stumbling block, or that is their ceiling, by and large, at the moment. For Vondrosheva, she's good. I watched her the other day. She's had plenty of big matches during this tournament already. Um, And yet, she's being treated by both the media and the fans as if she hasn't ever done anything. Number one, she's made a Grand Slam final before, and just because you guys listening don't remember that doesn't mean that she doesn't deserve to have that accolade. Um, Just because she's not a very marketable name doesn't mean you don't get to not know who she is. Um, Just because I'm not even going to go there. I'm not. Even mentioning that is uh, not something I'm going to do. So I'm going to leave that part of Vondrosheva's media coverage out of this. Um, And she's now made two major finals. And I'm just going to say... If the media's not covering her the way they should, or if fans are not giving her the respect that she deserves, or if fans are not watching matches that she's playing in, or if fans are not compelled to do that, she's made two major finals. It's not like this is some kind of fluky thing. At some point, that's on you for not knowing more about her. So... Maybe people out there should uh, actually watch the matches, you know, sometimes instead of not doing that. Um, But, uh, so Vondroshva's in the two major finals. That's only one more, uh, sorry, I'm sorry, that's only one less than Barty made in her entire career. Think about the coverage of somebody like Ash Barty, right? Barty made three major finals total. Yeah, she went 3-0, and and uh, Vondroshva's, you know... 0-for-1 with a result pending right now. But still, only one difference there in appearances. You know, one number, one uh, appearances worth of difference. Um, Sloane Stevens, two major finals. Vondrosheva, two major finals. Um, um, Bianca Andreescu's made less. She's only made one final. She gets way more favorable coverage than Vondrosheva does. Um, and I'm sure there's many, many other examples out there of players that get more coverage and players that are more highly thought of, that have comparable appearances in major finals. So uh, it is time to put Vondrosheva into that plane. It is time for her to ascend into that plane of uh, people that get covered that way. And maybe one way that one reason, the biggest reason that I would concede, in her lack of coverage and people's lack of knowledge of her. And, you know, I'm not sitting here and saying that I'm a Marquetta Vondrosheva expert, but, like, when you see the name on the screen, you know that she's accomplished stuff. And even if she's struggled a lot, you know, she's had some very good tournaments. Um, uh, lost my train of thought. Vondrosheva, um, yeah, suffice to say that uh, Vondrosheva's good, oh yes, this is what I was going to say, she's made two major finals and she's made the silver medal at the Olympics and, um, I think that's right, I'm gonna have to fact check that now since I said it, hold on, I think she made the silver in Tokyo, let me just look that up real quick and confirm that let's see um yeah 2020 2021 tokyo singles silver medal there you go um but despite those three nice runs she's never made the top 10 and obviously the olympics doesn't award points so you know people that use that stat to say that other thing they're being disingenuous but you know if you strip that away she's made two major finals and never been in the top 10 and obviously, you know, you can also explain that as, obviously, they were four years apart, and rankings only count for one year, but it is an interesting quirk. Yes, has never been ranked in the top ten, but she is now a two-time Grand Slam finalist. She's capable of hitting the home run ball, but, you know, also capable of striking out. But yes, so that sets up a final between Anz Jabor and Marketa Vondrosheva. Jabor would absolutely be the favorite in that, but Jabor was the favorite last year against Rabakina, and uh, that did not turn out in Jabor's favor. Um, so it'll be interesting. And it's kind of a similar situation, Jabor being an overwhelming favorite in our minds against a relatively unknown player with power so uh i wonder what jabor is gonna do this year i'm gonna refrain from making a prediction on that maybe i'll predict that on tomorrow's pod so uh those were your uh two women's semifinals that highlighted wimbledon today just to go through some other results quickly, the men's doubles semifinals were today. Um, the number 15 seeds, Marcel Granoliers and Horatio Zeballos, beat the number 10 seeds, Krawitz and Puetz 6-4, 6-3. The difference in that match was the poor play of Tim Pwetz. He lost the first game of the match, and late, late in the match he had a couple shocking uh, points to give up the two breaks in the second set there. 6-4, um, 6-3, six, six, Zabios and Granolieres won, and the 6-3 in the second set was two breaks. Um, you may remember Tim Puetz from last month when um, the the mixed doubles girl, whose name I can't remember right now, the one that got defaulted for an incorrect reason, um, and Tim Puetz got uh, some press at the time for... Defending her in her press in the press conference and um, allowing her to speak you know, like in his stead in the press conference. So uh, you may remember Tim Puetz from that, but uh, today is not a day that Tim Puetz would like to be remembered for. So uh, Granollers and Sabios into another Grand Slam final. They've made a few finals before, and uh, they're in another one. In the second semifinal, out on number one court. The number one men's doubles seeds, Wesley Kulhoff and Neil Skupski, edged Rohan Bopana and Matt Ebden, 7564, in an hour 26. Kulhoff and Skupski, they're the new number one team these days. They looked good. Um, Rohan Bopana is 43 years old, and he's still out there playing. Good for him. And Matt Ebden is something like 35 or something. He was pretty old as well. He's been around for a long time now. Um, so Neil Skupsky is a Brit, and he will contest the uh, men's doubles final on center court this weekend as a Brit. So the crowd will definitely be behind the number one seeds. A British player has not won the Wimbledon doubles in the men's since 2012, over a decade ago. So the men's doubles final this weekend will be Kulhoff and Skupski against Grinoliers and Zabios. Those are four guys that definitely know how to play doubles. Um, and then the last match on center court today was the mixed doubles final. Matej Pavic and Ludmila Kitchenok beat Vliegen and Zhu 6-4, 6-7, 6-3 to play... Uh, to win the mixed doubles title so that that is another grand slam title for matej pavic and uh hey ukraine did win a match on center court today ludmilla Kichinok is a ukrainian and she has won a grand slam at wimbledon so definitely not a sfidelina type level but uh y- ukraine did win one of the uh, tournaments here at wimbledon this year on number one court the last match over there um um men's wheelchair doubles semis the top seeds hewitt and reed a british pr- pairing they won seven five six three over de la puente and fernandez elsewhere on the grounds there were a lot of junior uh, doubles and uh, singles matches we'll go through them here alright um, let's go th- I'm gonna do them by discipline alright Um do, do 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 girls doubles today were the quarterfinals Lacey and Klugman beat Harmon and Ray, 6-4, 7-5. Evans and Hamilton upset the number three seeds. Ishii and Quaiki 6-4, 4-6, 10-7. Kovakova and Samsonova, uh, not to be confused. That would be uh, Laura Samsonova, not uh, the other Samsonova from the uh, senior tour. Anyway, they beat the number eight seeds, McDonald and Moyano, six three six three, And the number two seeds, Jamrikova and Urgesi Ur- beat the number five seeds, Kinoshita and Sato 6-3, 4 10-6. Boys doubles quarters today. Number two seeds Fonseca and Prado Angelo beat the number eight seed Berqueta and Searle six three six four. Philip and Volpita beat Bondioli and Cina China seven five three six eleven nine and the number six seeds Jorich and Gia beat upset the number three seeds Malero Kretzer and Pacheco Mendez, six three, seven, six. And notable here, the number seven seeds, Blanche and Horovitz upset the number one seeds Demine, Demin, Demon, and Williams, six three, seven, five. So the number one junior doubles seeds are out for the boys. Let's see what other scores that we had today. Let's see here, I'm just browsing the screen here. There were a bunch of invitational stuff, but invitational stuff I'm I'm not gonna cover that. I think oh yeah, the singles for the juniors. Okay, let's look at that. Girdles singles quarterfinals. Bartunkova beat Stoiber 166162. Two seed Ngonway beat number seven seed Ishi six four seven five. Number one seed Korniva beat number eight seed Koiki, seven five seven six. Number five seed Jamricova, Jamricheva beat, oh gosh, S T O J S A V L J E V I C, Stoj Slavjevic, Stoj Slavjevic. Jim Rikova wins that one 6-7, se- six, six, right. <laughs> and the boys' singles quarters today. Searle upsets number 8, Fonseca, seven six six three. Williams, number 4, beats Radilov, number 6, seven, six, six three. Number 9, Blanche beats Biggin, seven six six three. Number 5, Demon beats number 15, Berkieta seven six seven six and that is uh, your complete results for the program today let's take a look at the order of play for Friday July 14th first up on center court actually the only thing on center court tomorrow from 130 p.m local we have the gentlemen's singles semifinals first up number er, I'll, okay First up, Novak Djokovic versus Yannick Sinner. Followed by Carlos Alcaraz versus Daniil Medvedev. On court one, we have a 1 p.m. start time. Ladies doubles semifinals. First up, Dolhide and Zhang versus Hunter and Mertens. Followed by Shey and Strikova against Buskova and Sribes Pormo. Court 3 we have invitation, we have Legends stuff. Um and uh those are your big uh matches for tomorrow. We'll cover the rest of the stuff after they uh, happen uh on tomorrow's schedule. All right. I'm going to keep the player audio in the holster. I think uh, 45 minutes is a good length for this pod, so we'll leave it there. Um, ESPN will have the uh, men's semis tomorrow, 8.30 a.m. Eastern. The matches begin, 5.30 a.m. Pacific. That is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading and all that stuff. This has been Tripp's Tennis Talk and Oregon Productions Production.